This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund. It's uh, day after Christmas, and uh, hope everyone had a ho- ha- happy holiday season, happy Christmas, all that good stuff. But uh, <laughs> back to work, back to the grind, and uh, Jacob Eason has declared his intentions to turn pro. Uh, not something that was completely unexpected, but Scott, uh, did you think it was going to come maybe this soon, or did you think maybe he really was going to wait to see what Jimmy Lake was going to do with the offense first. Well, you know, a lot of that made sense. The The thinking behind it made sense. But all I had been hearing basically since October was that he was planning to leave early. So I guess I didn't really think that it mattered when. But, I mean, from a timing standpoint, I'm just glad he waited one day, <laughs> you know, because – um, I, I'm just, I'm glad that we weren't all scattered at our di- various, uh, Christmas outings and, uh, having to scramble for this. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I thought he was going to be leaving early. I made a bet with softy that he would leave early. So I get to get that little payoff, which should be nice. And, um, you know, he, he's a good kid and I, I really hope he, I really hope he has some success. I don't think he's ready. I think he probably should have stayed another year, but that isn't his decision. Well, you mean that is his decision? Well, his de- I, his decision was not to return for another year. Sorry. Right. So let's just go back real quick and review what he did at Washington. So he played in 13 games, started. Um, he had an efficiency rating of just under 145, um, which I think using the Steve Sarkeesian method was considered pretty good. Um, maybe not elite, but certainly enough for a quarterback at that level to do some damage. He was he threw the ball at about a 64% completion percentage, uh, threw for 3,132 yards, 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, with a long pass of 57 yards. Um, over these last 13 games, how would you kind of uh, do a quick capsule analysis of what you saw, Scott? Uh, I would say up and down. <laughs> um, there are a couple games where he played really well and uh, seemed to really handle things and manage the offense and, and distribute the ball well, and there were other games where he looked awful. Now, that wasn't always his uh, fault. Some of it was the play calling. Some of it was the play of the offensive line. Some of it was the wide receivers. Some of it was the defense not um, putting the Huskies in good positions either because they, they fell behind. So, you know, whatever it was, he just – you know <laughs> – I try to I try to look at this. I'm taking it just in itself and in encapsulating it just in itself. He really didn't impact this program very much one way or the other. I think that maybe there are a couple wide receivers that might have committed to Washington that maybe wouldn't have. Um, but you know those guys aren't really playing that much at this point, so we don't really know the impact yet. And he, he did lead him to a bowl game. He did lead him to a win in Washington's last – or in Chris Peterson's last uh, game as the head coach at the University of Washington. So you can't really say that wasn't impactful. But I, I just think that it's it's really an incomplete when you talk about his impact on the on the program overall. Right. So and, – and the thing is, ultimately, we try to break it down. Do we think – he had the kind of impact he should have had this season, or do you feel like there's still a lot left on the table? I, I, I think everybody would agree that there was a lot left on the table. And, 
you know, like I just kind of went through, I, I don't think it's all on him completely. I think a lot of it is, though. I, I don't think he he managed things as well as he could have. I don't think he was as accurate as he needed to be. I don't think that he made the right decisions in some cases. There are, you know, the the couple pick sixes that he threw, the the uh, interception that he threw uh, to Utah where he threw it into triple coverage when Washington would have at least gotten a field goal out of something. So you can you can pick different spots and everything like that. And I, you know, I've always liked Jacob Eason. I didn't know if he would be a good fit here because of what Chris Peterson likes to do, but I know that everybody was very excited. He's probably the most, other than Jake Locker, would you say Chris Vetters is he, that he was probably the most physically gifted uh, quarterback all around for the university of Washington to ever come through the, the doors? Well, I think you could certainly make an uh, an argument for Marcus Tuiasosopo. You could make an argument for Isaiah Stanback um, in terms of pure athletes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Um, but is, is he in the is he in that conversation for sure? I mean, yeah. the only thing he didn't have that maybe those other guys had was escapability, uh, mm-hmm. movement, uh, pure athleticism in terms of you know making something happen when the when the play broke down, being able to scramble. I mean. His, you know, if you look at the the season stats, you know he ended up with minus sixty nine yards. You know, if you include the sack stats, um, so that that'll just tell you that he was not able to really do much once maybe there was some pressure in his face, or if he had to maybe make a real quick decision. Mostly, it was just a ball getting thrown away. Um, but there were there were times too where he was able to throw the ball, and because he had such unique arm talent. He was able to make some plays where you, I guarantee you a Jake Browning or someone like that wouldn't even have attempted a particular play. So there yeah. are certainly reasons to think that he you know, did some things that will probably bode well for him in, in the NFL. But I'm sure there's also the other side, too, where people are going to say he's not ready. He, he still needs less. You know, he still needs game time. He has lessons to learn. That's all great and everything. But you're constantly trying to learn. Even when you're in the pros, you're you're constantly evolving. Your game is constantly uh, in the process of trying to improve every single day. So, you know, I guess my feeling on it is is that when you really look at it, and I know that a lot of people felt like once Jimmy Lake made the move to um, let go of Bush Hamden, let go of Jordan Pow Pow, and kind of start looks like it kind of starting fresh. Um, you know, we'll. You know, a lot of people were like, "Oh, okay, this means that maybe Jacob Eason is really taking this seriously." But I kind of looked at it the other way and thinking, "Well, if he's going to have to learn a brand new offense, why wouldn't he want to get paid learning a brand new offense instead of, you know, kind of flipping a coin and going, well, maybe this will work for me, maybe this won't work for me.'" Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I I think that that's a very valid point, Chris. That um, if he's got to learn a new offense, like you said, why not do it? Well, I'm getting paid rather than rather than playing school, you know, and from everything that I had heard is that, you know, it the decision was made quite a while ago that that he was probably going to go pro, but he wanted to give it a little bit of time and make sure he was making the right decision. And, um, you know, do, do you think he played like a guy who's what who was one foot out the door, Chris? Well, if, if, if that is true, obviously, if if. You know, because you can only go by what he says. You know, in post game, he certainly didn't want to approach it. You know, and this this was less than a week ago. I mean, he just didn't want to talk about it. He he kind of gave the impression that he was thinking about it seriously. But on the other on the other hand, 
you know, he kind of was looking at it from a distance and he was using words like they'll, they'll be good next year. And they look, you know, they have all the opportunities to, to, to really, you know, push forward and things like, so he made it almost kind of like he was distancing himself from the program as well. So you really could have, you could have looked at it either way. I think some of the conspiracy theorists out there are going to say, yeah, he was using those words. You could tell that he already had one foot out the door. But then again, if you, you know, we know, if we didn't know now, you know, if we didn't know then what we know now in terms of the offense, and we didn't know Lake was going to blow out Hamden right after the game pretty much, you know, if, and you look at how they played in the Las Vegas Bowl, could you have sensed the idea that, oh, maybe this is a preview of coming attractions. Maybe this is what they could look like. Or did it just look like more of the same and it was just simply a matter of execution? That I guess ultimately that's the question you have to ask yourself. But again, if you go by the premise and you're operating under the assumption that he already had one foot out the door, it does make you wonder and kind of go back to those other games, you know, Colorado, Stanford, um, Cal. You know, there there's certainly those games where you know how much of how much of the how much of his head was really in the game. You just I guess yeah. maybe in hindsight he'll tell us years and years from now, but I mean, who's ever going to want to cop to something like that? Yeah, you're not going to want to do that. It, one for one for one reason is you know you're a local kid, and the University of Washington is the. I mean, you they've got Washington State too, but I mean, most of the people in this area want are, are UW fans, and the last thing they want to do is hear a guy getting paid to go to school, basically free education. And uh, he's not – he's got one foot out the door <laughs> already, and then you have a bad season. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, they're going to be great, and, and I've got one foot out the door, but I just took him to a 13-1 and season in the college football playoffs, right? Yeah. It's another thing entirely to go 13 and – or 8-5 and five and not get to the Pac-12 championship game, let several games slip through your fingers because offensively they couldn't get things done against uh, the two top teams in the conference in Utah and Oregon. And, you know, I just it, – it it's hard. It's really hard because you don't want to be too hard on the kid because you understand that there's millions of dollars at stake for him. But I've always been a big believer then, other than maybe one or two positions out there and I'm talking running back and possibly defensive end. I just I I don't think anybody should leave early for the NFL. I think it only benefits you to return uh, to play in to p- play out your senior season and and um, and then move on from there. It, you, the guys who show up in the NFL more physically ready, more mentally ready for the rigors of what the NFL throws at them it always benefits them more and I'd like to see more players make that decision, but that's not the world we live in. Right. And, and, and a couple things on that, I would just say in terms of mentally and all that, well, physically Jacob Easton's ready to go. I mean, there, no one's going to question that a guy who's six six, two thirty, two thirty five isn't physically ready to go, especially with his arm talent. I mean, it's uncommon. I mean, it's just, he could probably step in the NFL right now and probably have a top five arm in terms of arm strength, ability to make throws all over the field, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in the off season when he was at Georgia and what have you, he was working out with guys like Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford and some of these other guys. So he's been around the pro element for years now. So that, I, I don't know if that necessarily gives him a leg up over some of these other guys, but he's been around it and he's seen it. And he, I think he already kind of has an idea of what it's going to take 
a little bit until you actually get there. You'll never know. Right. I mean, you just, it's just like anything else in life until you experience it. You just, you can try to prepare yourself all you want, but you're never going to be 100% fully yeah. ready. Yeah. But then, right. but then again, I think it just really kind of goes back to what I was, was saying about, I think when Hamden got blown out, that made Eason's decision extremely easy. And maybe some people are going to say, no, 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 that really muddied the waters because that gave him an option where they could kind of maybe create an offense around him and this and that. Hey, the last time the Washington offensive coordinators created an offense around the quarterback was 2008. And how'd that work out? They literally had no plan B when Jake Locker got hurt and they had to rely on a true freshman and Ronnie Fouch, who was, you talk about being unprepared. There's no, I mean, it was so unfair to stick that kid in that situation, but they had literally no other options. Okay. So I I just, to me, I look at it the other way. If you're going to have to learn a new system, do it while you're getting paid. I mean, I'm sorry, but the shelf life of a, of an NFL player now quarterbacks are going to probably have a lot longer, uh, you know, uh, NFL life than maybe, uh, other positions out there for sure. But, you know, still when you're looking at maybe four five, six years tops, you know, you get, you got to make hay. I mean, I'm sorry, you got to make hay. And I, and I wonder, you know, just going real quickly, uh, what do you think his draft prospects are going to be, Scott? If you could maybe handicap them real quickly, do you think he could be a shoe in first round guy? Because they're only they only took three quarterbacks in the NFL draft first round last year. I think they were obviously Kyler Murray in the the very first pick, but I think it was Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. I think were the other two. Um, you know, some people are handicapping Eason as a top three guy. Uh, some have him maybe as down as far as five or six. What do you, what do you think uh, his chances are of being a maybe a slam dunk first round guy? Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go this route. Yeah, and I I don't think he's a slam dunk by any stretch. And I honestly I think he's more of a slam dunk to drop into the third round than he is to be a first rounder. Um, just the way I've kind of seen things go and and who's entering the draft and all those different things. Um, you know. Has uh, Tua Tagovailoa declared yet? I'm not sure. I he have not. Yet. I don't think I've seen anything yet. But yeah. I'll tell you what: all the mock drafts are basically kind of assuming him to do it. So. I know. So um, and and I mean, so you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's likely the number one overall draft choice. Uh, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, just improved leaps and bounds over what he was um, as you know the year before and. Everything like that. So um, you're you're talking about, and then um, y- y- and then you've got uh, uh, who's the quarterback at uh, Oklahoma? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's another possibility as well. Um, you know, it's going to be really, and Jake Fromm is in there too. So which is kind of ironic that he and Jake Eason might be <laughs> battling for that. Well, and we're talking, and we haven't talked about uh, we haven't talked about Justin Herbert too. Yeah, and well, I mentioned him, but yeah, so Justin Herbert's in there too. I think Justin Herbert's probably ahead of Jacob Eason just because of his experience level, and um, he, he's got a little, he's got the same size as Jacob Eason, maybe not the same arm strength, but he's got much better mobility than Jacob Eason has. So maybe that the maybe the NFL rates that a little bit higher. I don't know. So um, I would I would bet he's a like mid to late second round. Uh, selection. Yeah. And the good thing about that 
is that means he's being selected by a team that doesn't need him to play right away. You know, and sure. I mean, how beneficial was it for we we keep bringing this up, but how beneficial was it for uh, Aaron Rodgers to come in and sit for what did he sit for three years behind Brett Favre? It felt like a while. Yeah. yeah. At the very least, it was two full seasons that he sat behind Brett Favre. And that guy is now a, a Hall of Fame quarterback and um, leading his team to titles and has, has won one, uh, one Super Bowl and, and, you know, will take his team to, to uh, I think they just won the NFC North last week. And, you know, I'm, I mean, it's he's a – He's a great example of what you can do if you're just patient with a quarterback. Russell Wilson comes into the Seattle Seahawks. Now, granted, he started as a rookie, but they didn't need him to come in and start. They had Matt Flynn, and they felt pretty comfortable with him. They took Russell Wilson as a developmental guy. All he did was come in and prove that, hey, I'm not a developmental guy. I'm the guy who can take you to a a Super Bowl title. And so um, what he did, you know, very early on, he showed why he should be the one starting. But what what it does is it really helps um, Jacob Eason if he gets into that second round because it's it's a team that doesn't need him that that much, and it'll give him some time to maybe learn behind uh, uh, you know an established starter and from a coaching staff that might have a little bit of stability. The other thing I was going to say too is that even if he is asked to play right away, let's say there's a program out there or team out there that really, really falls in love with him and need a guy to come in right away. I mean, if you look at a Nick Foles, uh, you look at a, uh, Jared Goff, even going back, maybe like a, like a Joe Flacco or somebody like that. It just, it feels to me like there are some touchstones. There are some comparisons that can be made with other quarterbacks that are similar set, similar athleticism, Similar guy that's going to scan, just sit out and sit there and scan and and do those kinds of things, and just use a rifle arm to pick you apart. And and those guys have gone to Super Bowls and have won Super Bowls. So I, I just feel like you know his situation. Would it surprise me if he actually ends up being a better pro than a college player? No, not at all. At this point, just because of you know the injuries really affected it, and then also um, you know they're obviously as you kind of you broke down so well earlier. There were just a lot of other things going on with the offense this year that maybe didn't allow him to play at his optimum level. And then he probably had something to do with that as well. And if you go by the, uh, the theory that he had one foot out the door, then you have to wonder how much that affected him as well. So there's so many other things to think about on this, but I, I really do feel like at this point in time, this was the right move for Jacob Eason to make. I know you disagree, but I just feel like with as much with the much as much flux as the offense is in right now for Washington and if he's going to have to learn a new uh, offense anyways, I, I just get paid. Just get yeah. paid, go to yeah. do it and and uh make it work out for you somehow somewhere. And like you said, if he gets into that unique situation where he can learn at the knee of a of an established quarterback, maybe Chargers with Rivers or something like you know, I mean just there's so many different things that you could scenarios where you could see him uh doing well. And I and I wish Skinny the best of luck. I hope uh I hope it does work out for him. I'm certainly very curious to see how it's gonna work out. Let's move on now to how this affects Washington. Obviously the Washington fans are a lot more interested in that than uh, Skinny Eason's future now that he's gone pro. Tell me a little bit. We're going to have three quarterbacks now for spring. You're going to have, obviously, Jacob Sermon coming back. You're going to have um, 
uh, Dylan more Morris. Dylan Morris, yeah. and you're going to have um, Ethan Garbers coming in. Now, Ethan's going to be coming in January or April. I can't remember. Hey, uh, well, it's late March is when I think spring quarter right, begins. Right, so he's so, coming yeah. in for spring. He's not coming in for winter. Correct. Okay, so you've got three guys at least. Um, would not be surprised if they try to uh, find another walk-on now that Blake Gregory is gone. They, they definitely need to have another one of those guys. I think that's why they had um, gotten pre- uh, prefer walk-on offers to like the kid from uh, Thompson, the kid from Idaho, and what have you. They, they need to have one of those guys in there. So it wouldn't surprise me if they start scanning the, the field for uh, who would be a good preferred walk-on guy. I, I think you and I are probably on the same page here. They would not go after another scholarship quarterback in this situation, do you think? I don't believe so, no. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. No. Um, it's too late for that. And besides, they've got the all-world uh, Sam Heward coming in for 2021. Um, I think. Boy, you just, I hope we're not just putting this curse on Sam Heward. Well, but no, but I mean, everyone. Ball. Let's put it this way: everyone else has done it. Then I'm not, yeah. I, We can all we can all claim a chunk of that. You know, because you know he's a five-star I, I meant the kid. Collective us, not Dogman. Just the collective us. Everybody who does this. So. Right. So so at this point, you've got three guys coming in for spring. It feels like Jacob Sermon has the clear inside edge. Where where do you kind of think things are are going to feel out, or how much do you think is is how much do you think of uh, of this spring uh, co- competition is going to be based on who they who the coaches are going to be? Well, you would think that Jacob Sermon has the inside edge. Um, I have heard nothing but good things about what Dylan Morris was able to do in in the practices this season. And, um, I wouldn't give anyone an edge in this, in this battle. I think Dylan Morris, if he, if from everything that I've gathered now, nobody told me this, or this is me just surmising from the conversations I've had with different people that if he had not been a true freshman and them wanting to keep that red shirt on him, he would have been likely the backup is what I've been told. Now that doesn't mean much because that wasn't the case. But um, I think that that he and Jacob Sermon are going to – this is going to be a full-on battle royal between those two and Garbers once he arrives. And may the the best man win. You know, it's like Thunderdome. Two men enter or three men enter, one man leaves, you know, kind of thing. And and, uh, I I just – you know, it's going to be interesting, especially to see what kind of an offense they're going to run because if this – New offensive coordinator wants a more mobile quarterback. First of all, Sam Heward isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks. He isn't a statue, but he's not a guy that you're going to use like you would Jalen Hurts or or Justin Fields or something like that. So, um, or geez, uh, uh, drawing a blank on the guy from Clemson. Um, oh, Trevor Lawrence. Guy. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So I don't. That's not going to be. Uh, Sam Heward's game and that's not going to be Dylan Morris or Jacob Sermon's game and Ethan Garbers has a little bit more mobility than those three but you know whoever comes in as the OC it's going to be real interesting I'm I'm wondering if Jimmy Lake has said to himself well I'd like to bring in this offensive coordinator but he wants to run a system that isn't going to fit with the quarterbacks we currently have on the roster and the one that we're bringing in in 2021 so um, that's going to be real interesting to see how he handles uh, the quarterback situation. My personal opinion is that they're going to go out and find a guy who runs something with kind of the air raid concepts, um, but likes to run it a little bit more than than a typical air raid guy does. And uh, you'll kind of see that uh, hash out here over the next couple of weeks. Do you really think that? That's interesting because yeah. I'm my operating assumption is Jimmy Lake is going to go after 
uh, and look at an offense that was difficult for them to defend. And when it comes to air raid, they've been as good as anybody in the country at defending air raid. I would have thought that uh, they would go away from that. And especially with the ideas we've been told that, you know, they were trying to incorporate some air raid type concepts into what they were doing this year. And it just, it didn't work at all. So well, who, who, what are, what are the hardest offenses that Washington has had to defend over the last couple of years? Well, I mean, it's the one with multiple threat quarterbacks, right? It is in terms of if you look at guys like like uh, Tyler Huntley and and Justin Herbert and those guys, for sure. I mean, and you've got to have a guy that has a little bit of escapability. Let's agree that all the quarterbacks that are going to be on the roster in spring are more mobile than Jacob Eason. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so even even Jacob Sermon is more elusive than Eason. I would I would say so. Yes, I've seen him run around. He's a little bit more athletic, not much, but he's a little bit more athletic than Jacob Eason. Okay, so I, you know, bottom line is I I don't think people should look at this scenario like it was when Jen Cohen had to make the decision of holding on to Lorenzo Romar or blowing it up and bringing in a new coach. Eventually, it would be Mike Hopkins because. You know, in that situation, you had a potential number one recruiting class coming in, but there was still time for it to to really change depending on who they brought in. And it did. I mean, it you know, they brought in Mike Hopkins and the whole thing basically imploded, except for they were able to hold on to guys like Jalen Noel and some of these other things. And I'm not, I'm not going to get too far afield on that, but it, it does kind of have that sense of how how much can they reasonably change especially when they brought in a ton of guys on offense for the 2020 recruiting class, got them all to sign, got them all to believe that everything is going to be good and they're going to be totally fine in figuring out what this offense is going to be going forward. How radical can they really change? I, I guess I is, is the biggest question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can because these quarterbacks are recruited to play in Chris Peterson's system. And do what Chris Peterson wants. Well, now we're going to go with a different quarterback or a different uh, offensive scheme and, and a different leader of that offensive scheme. So, you know, it, it's really, I mean, for us, because of what we do, it's going to offer a lot of scenarios where we're going to have to be kind of on our toes, you yeah. know, for what's going to be happening and and what what's it going to look like in spring ball when we when we go out and and see what what the new offense is going to look like? So um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of unknowns at this point, and it's going to make Husky fans a little leery. Well, it's going to make everyone very well. I think at least it should make everyone very curious. But I think with the reception that everyone's had for Jimmy Lake and the idea that they they know he's the right man at the right time, you know, I think there's a lot of faith in Lake to find the guys that he wants to find, especially when he talks about being aggressive, going after guys, that kind of thing. So at this point, I think it's really just settling on a concept and an idea and a philosophy that they can really hang their hat on and also fits, in large part, the personnel that they have. I don't think they necessarily, again, I think it's fool. it's a fool's errand to literally fit your entire offensive philosophy around a quarterback because if you lose him there's not necessarily a guy there with the exact same skill set and we saw it we saw that play out over 10 years ago um you know when they had Jake Locker go down and then they were really in it 
So I think it's going to be really, really interesting for sure. And I think it's going to keep, hopefully it'll keep Husky fans attention going forward. This is an emergency pod, Scott. So we're, we're going to, we're going to try to cut it short as much as we can. But one last question based on kind of how we've laid all this stuff out. Who do you think has the inside edge in spring right now? Well, I kind of laid it out when I, when I said, I think it's Dylan Morris. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. I would love to be proved wrong by Jacob uh, Sermon and by Ethan Garbers. But right now I'd say going into spring, my odds on favorite to win the job coming out of spring ball. And I don't think you're going to win the job coming out of spring ball. I think you got to win it in fall camp, but out of spring ball, the, the quarterback that'll be at least in the lead, in my opinion, will be Dylan Morris. And obviously if, if they keep them all on the line, do you think that will be enough to keep a guy like Sermon out of the transfer portal for the second time? I, I, I think Jacob Sermon's in this thing for the long haul, personally, at least for another year or two. I, I want. I think he wants to at least give it a go and see what he can do. Um, there are other factors in why he announced for uh, to go into the transfer portal, and um, you know stuff that that uh, you know people have kind of talked about and things like that. We're not going to really discuss it at this point, but there were other reasons other than playing time that, and he's got so many family ties his cousins on the team with him his grandpa played for the university of washington his family are all huge husky fans i would be shocked if he ends up transferring if he doesn't win the job i was gonna say i think his sister's in school now too right she's she's uh she's, she's rowing crew right? yeah she's, yeah, she's crew. on the crow team on yeah. the crew team yeah so again so we'll cut this short now um really appreciate what it, about Scott. you do you feel it's jacob sermon i i don't i don't i don't have a great feel either way to be honest because okay. i i kind of thought that there was a great opportunity for him to win the job, you know, even before. And then we had, you know, you had Jake Hayner uh, involved in the mix last spring, and it certainly felt like it was a lot closer than maybe eventually it was led on. But you could kind of tell what the fallout was, you know, as soon as Easton's, when he, as soon as he was named the starter, I mean, Hayner was in the portal within a day. So these guys don't mess around. This this stuff, there's. No time to waste because they're they literally feel like their eligibility is just withering on the vine if they don't get the opportunity to play right away. When the reality is they're one play away from starting the rest of the year if someone goes down. So, and if you look at, uh, for instance, Boise State, they had three quarterbacks that actually played pretty decent amount of time. So it it can happen to any program, and that's why you've got to have quality depth. And hopefully they'll be able to hang on to all those guys because, you know, if they if if a guy goes down in 2020 and you only maybe have one other guy, worst case, um, it's going to make really really tough sledding next fall waiting for Sam Heward to sign. That's that's the that's the that's the real uh, I guess glass half empty approach to it. But so instead of dragging on, we're going to cut it short right here, Scott. Appreciate your takes on all that. And again, I want to remind people, because of all the breaking stuff that's going on right now, because of all this stuff happening, remember this is the day after Christmas, we already have a lot of movement going on, we expect more coaches to be hired, maybe even let go, you just never know, Jimmy Lake is is moving this thing around pretty quickly. So if you want to know, if you want to be in the loop, get on our email mailing list, just go ahead and email us at huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line, newsletter. We'll make sure we get all the breaking news out to you as soon as possible right there in your email right after it happens. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll put you on the mailing list. 
and we'll take care of you. So right now, for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs.